let's face it, prospects you know, don't want to hear from us. They don't want to hear from the brand. They want to hear about, they want to hear from the users of the product. You're listening to the Content 10X Podcast, where it's all about content repurposing. I'm Amy Woods, and I'm here to help you maximize your content and find smart ways to get your message in front of more of the right people, whilst also saving time. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Content 10X podcast. I'm your host, Amy Woods, founder of Content 10X, and this week is a guest interview with Rob Yogel. Now, Rob is the Senior Director of Marketing at Linode, a global cloud computing company and a wonderful client of ours. Now, we dig into why tech businesses are turning to content marketing to connect with customers and showcase what they do. It's a really fascinating conversation. You're going to be really surprised with the creative and out-of-the-box thinking that led them to take Zoom-recorded conversations with customers and turn that into a podcast series and lots of content thereafter as well. Plus, we talk about how storytelling is core to marketing and always has been, how marketing shouldn't become siloed, and the great work that Linode are doing in the influencer and YouTube space. Now, to introduce Rob, Rob is an award-winning marketing leader, corporate storyteller, digital publishing pro, and event organizer who builds successful and award-winning marketing programs. At Linode, he oversees central marketing functions for content marketing, advertising, social media, influencer marketing, demand generation, and lead generation. He leads teams that work cross-functionally to define, execute, and measure highly impactful performance marketing campaigns and content programs through paid, earned, and owned media, while inspiring them to exceed goals and have fun along the way. Let's jump over to the conversation. Rob, welcome to the Content 10X podcast. Uh, thank you, Amy. I appreciate you having me today. It's really great to have you here. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. What would be awesome, please could you explain a little bit about your career today, Rob, and what's got you to, to Linode in the position that you have today? Sure, Amy, I'll try not to bore you, um, <laughs> but I started my career as a, as a journalist, as a, as a content creator, as a writer. Uh, I had a dream to be the sports editor at the Philadelphia Inquirer. Um, never quite got that, uh, got to that, but did uh, work for the Philadelphia Inquirer for a year. And then about 10 years ago, I went to the dark side of marketing and took a career in content marketing, uh, learned you know, how to do content marketing really from the ground up. Um, the company I was at, we were one of the first companies who you know, actually did content marketing. Uh, and then the you know, past 10 years of my career, I've been in various marketing roles, marketing leadership roles. Uh, came to Linode about two years ago to run performance marketing and content marketing, among a few other things. But those are really my two main focuses right now, content marketing and performance marketing. And does your career span largely the, the tech space or it was a Linode a different direction? Yeah, after I left uh, the world of journalism and entered uh, the marketing realm, uh, primarily in tech, uh, but various industries, everything from higher education to K-12 to SaaS. And now at Linode, we are a public cloud uh, computing provider. Uh, we, are, we serve small, medium-sized businesses, uh, 
enthusiasts, developers, uh, small, medium-sized enterprise, and we have a pretty extensive partner network as well, but mainly technology, yes. Cool. What does the marketing function look like that you are running there at Linode? Great question. It's pretty interesting. You know, Mark, uh, Linode is a 18-year-old cloud computing company, and for probably 15 years, uh, they uh, really didn't focus a lot on marketing. Uh, our, our CEO and founder, Chris Aker, you know, admits that. Uh, the company about three years ago um, committed itself to marketing, um, realizing that the company is doing really well and was growing, but wasn't growing necessarily at the pace of the cloud computing industry as a whole. So three years ago, I joined the company two years ago, but about three years ago, uh, the commitment was made to build out the marketing organization. And now the marketing organization at Linode can, uh, includes all the, you know, all the traditional marketing functions that you would see inside of a you know, uh, any tech, any business, technology business, you know, everything from demand gen and lead gen to content marketing to events, creative, corporate communications, product marketing. I think one of the areas that's really interesting at Linode is that we have a technical writing team that's part of marketing, um, which is fantastic because uh, we are able to, you know, kind of use a lot of the content that comes out of the technical writing team and technical team uh, in, you know, some of our, you know, our content marketing initiatives that we do. Wow. It sounds like you've really kind of grown quite a big team and a big operation in just, you know, a couple of years. That's not long in the, the grand scheme of things, is it? But prior to that, without the, with the marketing function, so you said, you know, was it 15 years without actually having a dedicated marketing team within the business, did you say? Yeah, I mean, the team, there was a smaller team um, that focused more on events, um, relied a lot on word of mouth marketing. But when you look at our team now, which is about, you know, 20 people, um, it was nowhere near that you know, up until about, you know, two or three years ago. It's really interesting. Uh, I guess there could be the argument that because Linode, you know, it's a big established and successful business, you could say, well, you know, it, it, it did perfectly fine, <laughs> fine without, but then, as you said, you know, wanted to, to do more, grow more, go in different directions. And so it's really interesting to hear that now there's this, you know, focus with so many different facets to the marketing function as well. So, in terms of content marketing, this this really interests me in the in the tech space. I think it's interesting. So cloud computing, um, cloud software, like it's not always like maybe the kind of the sexiest thing in the in the marketing world to get out there. So then to embrace content marketing, it really interests me. Why did you choose to go down that that route? So the content marketing in particular. You know, content marketing for it to be successful can't be a siloed function. So we work we work uh, cross department with our technical writing team, you know, our corporate communications team, our product marketing team, and I think you know that's one of the important things that we need to focus on. We need to continue to focus on when you're in you know a cl the cloud computing space, uh, and really that comes back to you know our target audience are developers, and they're very suspect of marketing in general. So when you think of traditional marketing, you know, and, 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 you know, probably more on the paid side and the advertising side, it really just can't be that. You need to bring in, you know, that content function. And, you know, as you know, as a content marketer, you know, content marketing is much more than just creating and writing the content. You know, it's distributing the content to your potential customers and to your customers and delivering it to them you know, at the right place at the right time, you know, using paid earned and owned media, you know, not just relying on paid media, you know, and all of this gets back to, again, the fact that, you know, the developer audience who we sell to, 
you know, rightfully so, you know, they're very suspect of marketing and, you know, content marketing kind of fits really well into that because they, developers do consume content. And, uh, you know, I think that's probably the biggest reason why, you know, we've made content marketing a focus at Linode. Do you see other tech companies doing similar or do you see them maybe more heavily relying on, like you said, like the paid marketing approaches? So is it is it a, um, a trend that's emerging more to start focusing a lot more on content marketing or are you guys, you know, one of the, you know, one, one of the trailblazers in the in the industry to be doing this? I think there's a lot of companies doing it to varying degrees. I think yeah. you look at the, you know, just in general, you always hear that there's now a lot of noise in content marketing and how do you kind of rise above it? There's, you know, I think the most important uh, area of content marketing that most marketers aren't really focusing on right now is quantity over or quality over quantity, I should say, and making sure that you're doing things right, that your audience wants to receive and not that you think they want to receive. So I wouldn't say that we're trailblazing in the world of content marketing. I just think that there's, you know, again, much more to content marketing than just, you know, some people when content marketing started called it, you know, brand journalism or, you know, a corporate newsroom and just pick up a, a former journalist at a, at a tech publication and have them create content for a brand. And, you know, there's so much more to it than that. You know, again, there's the distribution of the content. There's the analysis of the content. You know, it's just, it's not just about publishing content and putting it out there. There's so much more to it. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice if it was, wouldn't it? Just just that nice, like, creation and hit publishing. And that was all there was to it. But no, there's, there's so much more to it. <laughs> Um, so we um, so we met each other because we've been working with uh, you on the Craft of Code podcast series that you launched. Um, we met through our mutual friend Jay Bear, didn't we? Which we just talked about before I hit record button. We were saying how you've just been on his social prose podcast. So it's a, it's a small world. <laughs> um, and now you're here on the Content 10X podcast. Um, and I wanted to talk about the the awesome work that you guys have done with the craft of code series that we've had the pleasure of working with you on um so could you first explain you know what is what, what is this so what is the craft of code thank you i mean craft of code is really just a brand of our customer stories and our case studies and i would be remiss if i didn't mention you know the head of our corporate communications team mike maney and our vp of marketing blair line who really created craft of code um, before I arrived two years ago at Linode. Um, but the Craft of Code is a series of customer stories and case studies, but rather than the traditional challenge solution result that you see in so many case studies, what we've decided to do is highlight the innovation of developers using Linode. Um, whether they're hobbyists or enthusiasts or they're running a business, they each have unique stories to tell and we try to humanize those stories and, you know, that's what we've done. And, you know, we, we love doing them. We love talking to our customers and they love talking to us. When, when we first met, I think you talked about how one of the ways that you were bringing the craft of code to your um, customers was through these stories that you were sharing, um, you know, humanizing, as you said, that what you do, um, talking to the developers in particular. And I think, am I right in saying that you were putting a lot of these case studies into print material? So it was going into brochures and you were doing a lot of events and, and actually handing out craft of code case studies. Was that, was that where it first landed in the print material? Yeah, where it first landed was on our website in a series of craft of code with the intention of, you know, taking all of these stories and having them identified by, you know, industry and, and, and category and product 
and printing them and bringing them to, you know, to, to, to trade shows and to events. And then of course the pandemic hit and, you know, all of that stopped. Um, but we still continue to publish our craft and code stories on our website. But, you know, again, as you know, Amy, people consume content different ways, right? And a great example of that is, as I mentioned earlier on the marketing team, we have our technical writing team and they do a wonderful job publishing guides and documentation. But, you know, we've also learned over the last year that, you know, a lot of developers like to consume that content on YouTube videos. So we have a very strong, you know, YouTube channel now. So we want to tell our stories uh, in a way that they'll be consumed by our prospects and customers and how they want to consume them. So that was the you know, impetus to us to you know, look at doing Craft of Code podcast, um, taking our Craft of Code interviews and you know, pitching them to, to media. And we, and we do that. And I think the human element of our stories and less focusing on the challenge solution results and more focusing on the individual and what they're doing, you know, has really, you know, drove the success of, of that series. And what was it in particular about the Craft of Code series? So you mentioned you, and we can dig into this, but you do a lot of content on, on YouTube as well, a lot of um, how-to videos as well and things like that, don't you? And um, what was it in particular about the Craft of Code series out of all the other content you work on that you thought hmm I think this could be you know where we go into the into the into the podcast world I think it had a lot to do with you and Jay right I mean I, you know <laughs> we, when we when we looked and give you guys the credit too but when we looked at the you know the series of stories that we had done you know we didn't plan on having them to be a podcast but we had these audio interviews we asked you know of course permission you know from all of our customers to record the interview and as you know just doing you know content it's a lot easier to write written content when you know you have an interview recorded um and we so we have all this content kind of sitting there and we said well why wouldn't we just take some of these interviews and reposition and reformat them and create a, you know, a short season one podcast series called The Craft of Code. And, and that's what we did. And again, getting back to what I said earlier, you know, it really comes down to as again as a content marketer to make sure that you're delivering the content, you know, where uh, where your prospects and where your customers are. You know, let's admit it right now, right? We don't, we we know, you know, analytical or not, we know that everybody doesn't go to our website and everybody doesn't read stories on our website. So let's, or anywhere for that matter. So let's try to reach um, the people we need to reach, you know, in another medium. And, and we chose podcasts and that's what we've done. Now, I think what was really interesting about working with you on Craft of Code was that, as you said, it was a, a series of interviews with with developers and people, your customers, um, that it, what the interviews weren't really framed to be podcast episodes where they it really was just and conversations just a simple recorded conversation but then you know it was it was great to see how that became a project of extracting the the value from those conversations and turning it into 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 great podcast episodes you know we, we worked hard didn't we to to make it more narrative style podcast where we were including you know sections and introductions and additional additional voiceovers to hang the whole thing together so it didn't sound like listening to just just a conversation that wasn't planned for a podcast but actually kind of turning it into something fit for purpose and it was a it was a it was a good a good thing to see just to come together you know zoom interviews becoming a a podcast series is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it was quite unique for sure. And again, a lot of credit to Mike Maney, our head of corporate communications, because he's the host of the Craft of Code podcast and he did a lot of the voiceover work. And now season two, 
you know, of our uh, podcast series that during the, you know, at the time of this uh, interview, you know, we just launched the first episode of season two and they're more traditional, you know, interviews. But again, we're going back to the folks who we've done stories on. For the most part, we've we've discovered some 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 new candidates that were kind of doing the reverse. We're doing the podcast first and then maybe writing a story second. But um, we're doing a more traditional podcast series where we're, we're, we're in the episodes where Mike is doing, you know, the, the, the interviews with the candidates or with the candidates, with the customers, you know, similar to what we're doing right now. Yeah. And it's and it's great, you know, to see how that's coming together and the fact that there's all the extra content that you can get from it as well, because then there's the social content, the videos and the graphics and audiograms and everything like that that comes from these awesome conversations. What kind of response did you have from the people who you highlighted? So um, the people who were showcased and interviewed and ended up in season one and now in season two, was there a knock-on effect of them sharing this content with their audiences as well? Yeah, they've done that. And, yeah. and we, we, you know, we, we kind of nudge them to do it. Um, I think one of the most important pieces, if you, you know, peel it back a little bit, when you go back to the customer stories, you know, a lot of brands are, you know, publishing customer stories. I shouldn't say a lot, but some some brands are publishing customer stories, and you know they're treating it as logo rights. You know that you you know you sign a contract with a customer, you have a logo right to put them on your logo wall. So all of a sudden, you have permission to publish customer stories, and 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 that's great. But we we really work closely with the the customers that we feature on Craft of Code to make sure that, you know, the story we're telling is, is the story they want to be told. I, I say it over and over again during the interviews that I'm still part of and our writing team, you know, hears me say it every time, which is, you know, this is your story just as much as it is ours. And we want you to be hundred percent happy before it's published. And just them hearing that and knowing that, you know, they had that trust, um, factor you know allows them to get a story that they want to share yeah yeah absolutely you know I think sometimes people when they collaborate with others on things like podcasts or video shows they think that the person will automatically just go and share lots and lots of content so sometimes people will say to me I had this person on my podcast, they've got this massive audience. So I don't understand why my show isn't huge, because if I had that person on, then surely I should have a huge, you know, show and loads of people listening. It's like, well, you know, they might not necessarily share. So that shouldn't be your marketing strategy just to have guests on just so that they'll share with their audience. And and if they don't share, perhaps it wasn't compelling enough for them to share because you build a lot of time, energy, you know, there's so much that goes into building your own audience that you don't necessarily just share anything. It has to really mean something to you, doesn't it? And it has to be something that, you know, your audience will get something from. And so a more collaborative approach that you guys did of, you know, this is your story and we're helping to amplify it. And we'll get it out on our platform. And, and if they're happy with it, then knowing that they'll then share on theirs, it's it's much better to be like that than just think about your own audience, but then expect them to be as passionate about the end result when it was purely for, for your audience and, and not their audience, isn't it? <laughs> right on. And now you've set the bar high to make this the number one uh, listen to podcast episode of Content 10X. <laughs> yeah, <doing> exactly. <laughs> it will be. <laughs> 
Hey, just a little break from this week's episode to let you know about becoming a content 10x insider. If you want more content repurposing tips and advice, then why not join hundreds of business owners, marketers, and content creators who get them delivered straight to their inbox once a week by subscribing to the content 10x newsletter. As well as tips and advice, you get industry updates, inspiring stories, exclusive content offers, and more. You can subscribe at content10x.com forward slash newsletter, and there's a link in the show show notes too. Okay, back to this week's episode. It's really great though that we're talking about storytelling here because how important in content marketing, so we're talking about craft of code but also just more generally now, how important is storytelling to a tech company? So like Linode, a tech company, so case studies and things like that, is it incredibly important because it's it was going back to what we talked about humanizing a tech brand that can often I'm sure be hard to create content for to get people excited about I, I think storytelling is really important um I, I don't like love the term storytelling you know I, I mean I talked earlier about this whole idea of you know brand journalism corporate newsroom corporate storytelling I mean I think anything that you've done in marketing over the past even before content marketing you know, started should tell a story and should be consistent across the organization. I mean, I think when you, you know, when your marketing team goes out with, you know, a product announcement, you know, I think the sales team should be telling the same story. So, you know, I think consistency in your storytelling is, is the most important, um, you know, but being able to entertain, um, educate, you know, th- those are important things. And, you know, not a lot of people, not everybody knows how to do that and do, do it well. And I'm not saying that we do it that well either, but, you know, educating somebody, um, you know, informing them of something, you know, entertaining them, you know, that really is the core of storytelling. And, you know, some companies do it well, some companies do it better than others. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know what you mean. And I think sometimes in the marketing world, it does become, it's a bit of a buzzword, I suppose, isn't it? Storytelling and people selling courses in storytelling and things like that, when I suppose really it's, that's what marketing is about, actually. So it's, 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 it's kind of, we should, have, we, should be, we should have been storytelling all along, right? It's exactly. Just, I don't know why this is new all of a sudden. It is quite buzzwordy, isn't it? For sure. <laughs> um, when it comes to um, when you guys get back, you mentioned that you were doing a lot of events pre the pandemic, and that was a key part of your marketing strategy and sure always has been and will be um when you get back to exhibiting events and things like that with additional content like for example now having the podcast with craft of code and things like that is the things that you'll do differently um to highlight that kind of content to the people who you meet at events or the way you approach what you'll do at events absolutely i think we're doing it already you know with <laughs> Yeah, you know, webinars and and you know some other things that we're you know that we're up to you know even media interviews and reference calls that come out of our our customer stories, but you know I think when you look at the physical event world, either if it's an owned event that we do or an event that you know a publisher owns that we go to and exhibit at or, or speak at, I think just having this you know vast uh, amount of customers who are willing to tell their stories will allow us to be much more effective at these events, you know, because let's face it, prospects, you know, don't want to hear from us. They don't want to hear from the brand. They want to hear about, they want to hear from the users of the product. And, you know, we've, we've established that really nice base of customers. I think it's somewhere in last time I checked at least three or four dozen, maybe even more now, 
customers who have told their story. And if we just, we, we know that we can go back to them and ask them to tell that same story, you know, in a different, uh, yeah, a different venue in a different medium. And again, getting back to that trust factor, you know, we're not asking them to do something or say something different. They're telling the story that they, that they wanted to tell. And, you know, we've identified those stories by product, by industry vertical, you know, so we know when to, you know, when to put the right person, you know, in front of the right audience. Yeah, it's fascinating to hear that. Um, what, something that I wanted to ask you that I don't know what you're going to say to this is that, so it really fascinates me when I think about the craft of code with my repurposing hat on, which I, I always have the repurposing hat on. But then, I, you know, I think to myself, right, so it was interviews with, with um, customers sharing their story that were Zoom recorded interviews that went on to become lots of, great content to go in print materials that you can take to events when in-person events, but have the print content. It went on your website, got this fantastic section of your website that shares Craft of Code and is updated with these stories. Then it evolved into the podcast, season one, season two of the Craft of Code podcast. Um, with that came social media content in addition to what you had already. So quotes from the podcast, audiograms, video trailers, things like that being shared out further. Now, like Matt, I guess that's where my knowledge ends in terms of what has been done with this. Has more been done? I wondered if these stories and um, the content is in your training materials when people join the company, are people learning about um, the craft of code as part of induction or anything like internal or, you know, is there more that came from the simple act of just sitting down with your with your customers and speaking to them about their experiences? Yeah, great question. I think, you know, I'm not quite sure about the training materials, so that's not a bad idea. I, I think the way I would answer that question would be uh, subsequent to doing the craft of code stories, there's been numerous opportunities in uh, earned media, you know, media mm -hmm. interviews, yeah. you know, to get these folks in front of uh bloggers or, you know, vloggers or, or traditional, you know, B2B media. Uh, so there's been that opportunity. Um, they're much more willing to participate on reference calls, you know, through our, from our sales team um, who are selling into the, you know, small, medium-sized enterprise, you know, to talk to them and tell those stories. Um, those are really two of the biggest areas. And then, of course, the third area that I mentioned a little earlier was, you know, the webinars. We, we've done two recent webinars, you know, at the time of this recording, you know, where we asked two individuals who participated in two separate craft of code stories to tell their same story on a webinar, and they didn't even have to think twice. And it's a lot easier to do it that way than to try to do a webinar and ask a customer to talk on a webinar when they go, what are we talking about? You know, I don't know what I should say, what I shouldn't say, what do you want me to talk about? You know, get that story done and then repurpose it, you know, yeah. and ask them to do it in a webinar. Yeah, I love that. So people, people who'd featured in the se in the seasons coming back to to do the webinars. Um, and do you put these webinars onto your YouTube channel? Because I know you're doing a lot with um, YouTube. Is that something that is going on to there? Or another another good idea. I mean, we we mm -hmm. have them on demand on our website, but they're not right. on our YouTube channel. At least all of them. But uh, no, another another good idea. I mean, this is why I love talking marketing because you know I don't have all the ideas, so it's good. It's something we should yeah. talk about. I hear a webinar and I'm thinking, oh, I wonder if they're 
creating like social media content from these webinars and, and putting it on YouTube. We'd love so. to. I mean, I'd love to repurpose. And, you know, we when, when I was talking to Jay and his you know, Social Pros podcast, they were asking about our YouTube channel and all the YouTube content that we have and asking us about repurposing that content. And yeah, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to build a content team out that can help do that and, and, and produce that content. You know, I think, you know, it just takes a lot of time. Yeah, absolutely. It does. And, and on the, um, you know, the conversation that you had on the social pros podcast with Jay, um, there it was a heavy focus on influencer marketing, wasn't it? And what you guys are doing in that space. Um, I'd love to know. So, I know it would be an episode in itself to dig deep into it, but we don't have the time. But what what are you guys doing with the influencer marketing and the content that you're creating from that? Well, first, we've got to stop giving Jay Bear free advertising for his I podcast, know. right? But, uh, <laughs> but we, uh, you know, we started... Uh, our YouTube efforts really started with, you know, paid influencer marketing on YouTube. I mean, there's a, a, a great amount of, of developers who uh, turn to these, you know, influencers on YouTube uh, for, you know, advice and ideas and how to's and Andrew Stebbins on our team, you know, kind of build out that influencer marketing program um, where it's paid, right? We don't, we don't, we don't hide it. They don't hide it, right? It's paid promotion on their YouTube channel to come try Linode. Here's hundred dollars in free credit. And it works really well. I think it's responsible for 10. And I don't think I know it's responsible for 10 to 15% of all of our new customers every month that just the, the influencer marketing, you know, sponsored influencer marketing channel. Um, but hearing and seeing the success of that, you know, and then, you know, realizing that we have such a tremendous amount of how-to content, you know, again, having the technical writing team being part of the Linode marketing team, um, we decided to really kind of, I say blow up, but we really never started it, but, you know, create a, a YouTube channel that has, you know, half a dozen series with, you know, weekly or biweekly episodes on them that are really, you know, both focused on the, some of the influencers that we have promoting, creating content, but also identifying what we call Linode advocates who are using Linode and they're heavy users of Linode and they create that content as well. Uh, and, you know, it's just been, I, I never would have expected us to do so well so fast. You know, when I look at, and please don't ask me to cite the numbers because I don't have them in front of me, but when I, when I, when I look at, um, you know, time watched and the number of subscribers that we have and the amount of comments and, and just the, the conversations that go on, you know, inside of the YouTube videos. It just amazes me that, you know, literally in October of 2020, we started this effort, you know, and here I am, you know, talking to you now 11, 12 months later. And, you know, it's been, it's been really, really something that, you know, I'm super proud of that the team has done and that Andrew has really, you know, led the charge on. Yeah, and I think it, you know, it can be a tough not to crack actually YouTube and it can take a lot of time. And I think you're doing it right because you're focusing on YouTube and you're, you know, you, ha you have a YouTube strategy. It's not just, doesn't sound like it's just an aside. It's just like kind of putting videos that were created for different purposes over onto YouTube, but you're actually um, going all in on what you're doing over there. And it just goes to show that if you have more focus and you create platform specific content um, then it, what can happen and you clearly have an audience there don't you and it, I guess with the you knew that through the 
influencers that were getting such great returns from the content that they were putting out there, that there were people on the platform. Clearly there are, it's the second biggest platform, isn't it, in the world? And it's only second to Google and Google own YouTube. So they still return YouTube videos at any given opportunity on any Google search uh, right. as well. Yeah, <laughs> so. and, and, you, you, and you said something really important there, right? You said uh, audience, right? We, we knew because of the influencer marketing program that that's where our audience lived. Right. We didn't start it on TikTok. We didn't start it on Snapchat. You know, we didn't we didn't we started on YouTube because we knew that's where our that's where our customers were. Right. And that's where yeah. the people who were interested in in us were. Um, and then a plan. Right. Andrew and I built that plan and a focus. Right. We didn't yeah. just use do it as a, you know, let's just devote 10 minutes a day to our YouTube channel. No, it's a focus. I mean, Andrew Stebbins on our team owns the YouTube channel. I don't even know what his title is these days, but he's, you know, YouTube guru is what I would yeah. call <laughs> Yeah, but you need it, don't you? You do need that. You can't go half in. Um, and, and the results that you've had clearly show what happens when you do focus. Um, and it, it's, it's so interesting. I'm dead intrigued by the influencer side of things because it's really opened my eyes recently as to what brands, you know, all sorts of brands like yourselves, like Linode can do in that space. You know, fascinating that if there's somebody who has an audience already um, and they have the trust and the respect of that audience and they are an ideal person to evangelize and talk about what Linode has to offer to their audience in a, in a marketing capacity, just as, as you would pay for any form of marketing, but to be able to, to, to market to audiences based on genuine collaboration and trust in, in, in a relationship with somebody who just happens to speak to people who can benefit from what you have. It's, it's such a great play, isn't it? And clearly it's just been working brilliantly. So. Yeah. I mean, we had to call it something right. Influencer marketing yeah. probably isn't the best term, but we had to call it something, but yeah, I mean, you're hundred percent right. I mean, if I, if I could, if I could sell Linode, using, you know, Jake and Aaron Paul, I would, right? Because they have an audience and their audience trusts them that when they're, you know, promoting X, everybody's going to go buy X, right? And that's the way it works, right? Is, you know, we have influencers who are very trusted and respected in our space as developers who know cloud computing. And when they talk about Linode, they get people's attention. And like I said, it's, it's the proof's there. It's, that's quantifiable. You know, we see the direct result of those influencers promoting Linode and it's paid and it's identified and, and disclosed as paid, but it works. One question on that. And again, it's just my repurposing hat here, but when the, when they create content for their audience that gets published over on their channels and their, their content platforms, do you get, that content yourselves of their endorsements on their own content that you share across your platforms, or do you keep it for them, for their audience? We'll reshare their content for sure, but they own that content. So the influencers own that content. So we don't, we can't cut it up and chop it up and do what we want to do with it, but we definitely reshare and, and, you know, retweet and, 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 you know, share it to our, you know, our owned audience. Um, but then the advocates that I talked about, the developer advocates, yeah, that's that's totally our content. And if you go to Linode.com slash YouTube, you know, you'll see all the episodes and, and shows that we have. And that's that's our content. And, uh, you know, they're they're doing that. 
those developer advocates work for Linode. Yeah, they're doing that with you on your platform. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Fascinating. <laughs> so um, final question, the future of marketing for tech companies, what do you think will be vital? So what are you seeing maybe as a trend that's looking like it's going to become a key thing for tech companies like Linode? the future of marketing and maybe we've just talked about it (laughs) yeah i mean i think let's go back to what i mentioned earlier which is it's super important for content marketing to be done well and to be done right because there's tons of noise and you have to stand out you know so getting back to my earlier point really it's not just about creating content but you need to distribute it and measure it You need to respond to what your potential buyers, your customers, your sales team, your support team, what they need and want. And then I don't look at any marketing uh, discipline as siloed. It can't be, right? And, and, you know, anytime I hear, you know, oh, we need to hire a content marketer or we need to hire an SEO expert. You know, it's like, I'd rather just hire a marketer who has experience across, you know, different disciplines. Because the minute you silo a function like content marketing or you know, search engine marketing or product marketing or corporate communications, if they're not working across the company and across the marketing, the marketing department and then across the company, you're not going to be successful. So when you talk about the future of marketing for tech companies, I really feel that that's where it's at is we've got to, we've got to stop siloing individuals and their disciplines and make sure that you know there's constant communication and transparency across these roles, um, regardless of what role it is. I think that that's probably the most important thing. Marketing future and for tech companies, maybe specifically, but just in general, I think the future of marketing. Yeah. Break down those silos. Yeah, completely. Everyone should be working together. They all, they all yeah, I mean, when you, each other, talk to each other. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you talk, I mean, I've said this for years, I mean, it's, yeah. you know, when you, I, we need to hire a, you know, a digital marketer. It's like, well, why do you need to hire a digital marketer? Hire a mm. marketer, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's tremendous amount of value in hiring a marketer who knows offline channels, events, yeah. direct mail, et cetera you know, don't just hire somebody who does digital. I mean, I saw it way back in my publishing days and when I was a a content creator, you know, we need to hire a digital writer. Somebody's going to write for digital. What's that? You know, let's hire somebody who just knows how to write, you know, and and can, can write for direct mail and can write for print and can write for the web and can write for blogs and can write for social, you know, whatever. Let's just get rid of the adjectives, you know? Yeah. I guess that's the, that's kind of my pet peeve right now is there's too many adjectives. I agree with you. I was helping a buddy who has a, a business and he was hiring a content manager and asked me to, sorry, a marketing manager asked me to look over the job description and it was all digital, digital, digital marketing manager. Like, And, and I, I said, I, I think you need to kind of address this. Is it truly digital marketing manager or marketing manager? And we talked about, well, with the, what's marketing? It's building relationships with people. It's, it's, it's could be events presence. It could be, you know, um, like case studies, you know, it's all sorts of different things, organizing things in person as well, and just spans so much more. And and so don't like maybe lose the digital, 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 digital. Let's just talk about marketing is a function that's responsible for bringing in awareness in leads to pass over to, to sales, to get customers, isn't it? And there's so many ways it's not all 
like completely digital marketing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, so, if you're, if you're, if you're good at a certain thing, yeah. you're a marketer and you're good at content or you're good at SEM or you're good at SEO or you're good at product or good at media relations, whatever, fabulous and build your team with those pieces in mind. Right. But don't build them as this one's here, this one's here, this one's here, this one's there, because it's just you, the, the reason why I think any marketing organization is, is successful today is the transparency and the communication that exists. And, and that I think is probably one of the things that, you know, if I'm building a marketing organization out, that's, that's where I'm, that's where my focus is less on the adjectives and more just yeah. on the transparency and the communication amongst the team. Yeah, I love that. Less adjectives and more transparency. <laughs> great, yeah. great quote for the episode. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a fantastic conversation. Where would you like people to go to connect with you? Uh, I'd, LinkedIn is fine. Um, LinkedIn. They can certainly go to my LinkedIn profile. I, I don't have a, a Twitter account anymore. I gave Twitter up years ago. Um, you know, I would also just have them, you know, take a peek at Linode.com. Uh, Linode.com slash content is really our new content hub that we've launched. But, you know, any, any, anybody can navigate around Linode.com and see a little bit more about what we do and, and how we approach content and approach marketing. But, uh, Amy, I thank you so much for your time today as well. Thank you for reaching out to me and inviting you to participate in your podcast. It's a pleasure. No, it's been a, a wonderful conversation and I'll put the links to everything that you just mentioned um, into the show notes so people can get them easily. So yes, thank you. It's been a great conversation. I'm sure everyone's going to have got lots of value from it. And uh, yeah, I look forward to sharing it with the, with the world. <laughs> thank you, Amy. Appreciate your thank time. Thank you. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed that discussion and thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoy the Content 10X podcast, then why not hit that subscribe button on your podcast listening app of choice so that you can get updated when new episodes are released. And I'd really, really appreciate it if you could leave a review as well. That really makes a difference for the podcast. Also, please do get a copy of my book, Content 10X, More Content, Less Time, Maximum Results. It is the ultimate guide to repurposing every type of content. And it's available on Amazon, in Kindle and paperback, and also in audiobook as well. And you can head to content10x.com forward slash book to find all the other places that you can get a copy of my book. And if you would like us to do your content repurposing for you, then we offer a fully end-to-end done-for-you content repurposing service. This is for podcasters and video content creators. We have our podcast 10x, video 10x, and also our specific LinkedIn 10x service, helping you to become the leading authority in your industry on LinkedIn. You can find out so much more about our services on our website. And also please do give me a follow on the social media platforms. I share lots and lots of tips and advice on social media about content repurposing. I'm at content10x on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And if you try content10x.com forward slash LinkedIn, you'll find my LinkedIn profile over there as well. All that's left to say is thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and I'll catch you in the next one. Thank you.